thank you for joining us one more time. We have been studying the books of the Bible. If you've been studying with us, we started back in the book of Genesis and book after book after book. Now we are in the book of Amos. A-M-O-S. Amos is a very short book. It's often referred to as the minor prophets. But from spiritual standpoint, there's nothing minor about the book of Amos. There are nine chapters in that book. Uh, let me encourage you to read it when you're free. I'll give you a, a good picture of what's going on and some of the things that you should look for when you study the book. The book itself is named after the gentleman who wrote the book. His name is Amos, so we call it the book of Amos. What do we need to know about Amos? Number one, Amos was a prophet. And number two, Amos was really uh, what I would call a no-nonsense kind of prophet. And it was a prophet that called for change. So keep that word in mind as we study, because I believe with all my heart, the prophecy of Amos was relevant back then, but it's still relevant today. If there's one message that America needs to hear, is a message of change. Please permit me to give you some background about Mr. Amos so that you can have a good appreciation of his ministry. The first thing you need to know about Amos was that Amos was a farmer and a shepherd. I mean, when I say farmer, I mean he literally farms. He farms uh, sycamore trees, you know. And when I say he's a shepherd, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about he actually had sheep. He was shepherding a bunch of sheep. I mean, real animals, not, not human beings, not shepherd in terms of pastors. So Amos, the, the message I'm trying to point to your attention up front is that Amos was just an ordinary person, just like you, just like me. Amos was not born a king. He was not a military giant. He was not a famous guy. I mean, he was just an ordinary brother minding his own business, and God called him. I can stop there and preach to you and me. You might be saying, what's the message? God can use you. God calls ordinary people. It's not always people that has PhD. It's not always people that are driving Rolls Royce. It's not always people that graduate from seminary or cemetery or whatever you call it. Sometimes God uses ordinary folks just like you. I'll be honest with you, I consider myself an ordinary person. I've never pastored any church in my life. I didn't start my life 
thinking, oh, I'm going to grow up to be a great pastor. Um, I've had some changes of career choice in my life, but I can assure you, pastoring was not one of them. Uh, as a youngster, I started out, I wanted to be a medical doctor. Actually, my parents wanted me to be a medical doctor. So they planted that in my head, so that's what I, I went after. Well, to be honest with you, I didn't make it. I failed. <laughs> you see, Pastor Dara, you feel it? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. I didn't make it. I was, it was disastrous. Then somewhere along the way, I decided to, to be a musician. I have a heart for music. I had this dream or this vision of becoming a performing artist, and I was going to get me a big RV, and I was going to travel from city to city to perform music. That was my dream. I mean, I was so consumed by it. I went after it and studied music and in elementary, in high school, in college. I even went to the seminary uh, to study church music. I did that for a whole year. Anyway, again, hit to admit it, I failed. <laughs> you see, I'm not trying to put myself down. I'm just letting you know that sometimes people see the glory, but they don't know my story. Um, Amos was just an honorary brother minding his own business. Um, eventually, in my case, I decided to go to law school. And it wasn't easy, even for law school as a choice. I went to three law schools before I could make it. So you can see uh, preaching or pastoring was not in the picture. But God calls ordinary people. And I don't want you to miss this point that you may think you're just a, a city worker or you may think, oh, I just work for Clico. I mean, I'm not a preacher. Or you may think, hey, I'm just a school teacher for God's sake. I'm just a police officer. I'm a firefighter. Man, I just work for a big company. I work for Procter Gamble or wherever you work. But believe me when I tell you, God wants to use you. And God do use ordinary people. I've seen him use housewives. Are you listening to me? I've seen him use fishermen. I've seen him use ordinary pre-teenager, Mary, 14, 15 years old. I mean, I can go on and on. So I'm not surprised one bit that he turned to a farmer, a functional, illiterate farmer, and somebody who is basically a shepherd. And let me tell you how that happened. See, if you recall in the history of the, the people of Israel, they formed a nation. That nation was birthed through one man by the name Abraham. And then it became Israel because Abraham begat Isaac and Isaac begets Jacob and Jacob begets 12 children 
And those 12 children is what formed the nation called Israel. But if you're familiar with their story, somewhere along the way, Israel was divided into two. So now we have Northern Israel, and then we have Southern Israel. The Southern part of Israel is called Judah. And the Northern part of Israel is actually called Israel, but really, it's really not in South. Well, to add more understanding of, to what is going on, up north, the name of the king is Mr. Jeroboam. Down south, the name of the king is Azariah. So uh, Amos was just a citizen, and he actually was living in a city between the, the south and the north, right in between the two. The, that town is called Tekoa. So that's where he was doing his farming. That's where he was minding his own business. And honestly, if you look at Israel back then under Jeroboam, everything looks very good. Now, there's another lesson we can learn there. And that is that sometimes you can look at a situation and on the outside, things look pretty. But that does not mean the inside is pretty. So if you look at not Israel from the outside, they were doing good. The economy was booming and they were having military success. I mean, the King Jeroboam was, was really conquering. I almost say was kicking butt. <laughs> you know, I like to keep it real. I mean, on the outside, he is looking good. But on the inside, the country was rotten. The country was a mess. There's a lesson there for you and me. Not everything that looks good on the outside is good. Let me take some minute to advise my brothers and my sisters who may be looking for a spouse. Hey, don't turn me up. <laughs> you know I love you. <laughs> it's amazing. Have you ever seen a situation where you see a brother, or it could be a sister, and the sister is so good looking on the outside, is fine, mm, five, eight, I mean, name it, just gorgeous. Coca-Cola shape. <laughs> and you say, man, that's my kind of woman. But just because she looks pretty on the outside does not mean she has God on the inside. The same thing is true with brother. You see some, some brothers, I mean, with, with the biceps and triceps and and Jerry Crow dripping all over the place. <laughs> and you say, man, that's, that's my man. That's the kind of brother I want. But that may be the devil walking around in the flesh. So be careful before you set, before, before you say I do to anybody. Be careful that what you're seeing on the outside is also matching what is on the inside. 
How will you know that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Pray. Before you say I do to anyone, ask God, Lord, how should I marry Maurice? <laughs> you, got to, you got to check with God. I don't want you to end up with a witch. <laughs> you see? I've seen so many people just, just struggling needlessly and say, Lord, I wish I know what I know now. You know, the hormone kicks in sometimes and you can't think straight and you can't you can see too good. You're just so consumed. I'm so in love. No. Calm down, brother. <laughs> Ask God. Invite the Holy Spirit in your decision making. And some of you are looking at me and say, Pastor, well, you should have told me that years ago. <laughs> I, wish, I wish we had this conversation. But you know what? On a serious note, one thing I love about God is that God can repair anything that is broken. I am a living witness of the grace of God to fix that which is broken in my life. So even if you are in a situation right now that you say, I wish I knew what I know now years ago, I believe with all my heart, God can fix your situation. There is no man too hard for God to change. Are you listening to me? There is no woman too hard for God to change. In fact, I would take it further. There is no child. Some of you say, Pastor, if you only know my child, whoo, that Negro is a blink, blink. No, trust me on this one. There is no human being, male or female, boy or girl that God cannot change. Receive that right now. Ladies and gentlemen, the condition of Israel back then was rotten. On the outside, they looked really good, but on the inside, they really, they were messy. So Amos, an ordinary farmer, a shepherd minding his own business. God called him. The Bible says he got tired of seeing the rottenness of Israel. Some people have what we call the gift of discernment. Take note of that. This gift is what allows you to see beyond what is on the outside. Some people, they can see. And some people, they see what they see, when they say blurry, blurry, they, they don't see good. But there are some people, not necessarily preachers, ordinary brothers and sisters, that they can see through people lying to them. They can see through the facade or the fake. And Amos was given that discernment to see through Israel, 
On the outside, Israel looks good. But on the inside, Israel was rotten. And Moses, God showed, God showed Amos what is really going on, what is really going down. The Bible said he couldn't take it anymore. So he snapped. He confronted the situation. Have you ever been in a situation where you're fed up, you're sick and tired of seeing people being oppressed? Or you're sick and tired of seeing people being, being abused? I've been through that. I wish I can testify sometime. I went to law school, just like anybody else. I, economic was the, the drive. I wanted to make a living. I wanted to be able to pay my bills and to be able to be a blessing to my generation, my family, and all that. But in the process, I saw a situation that troubles my soul. All of a sudden, money became irrelevant. All of a sudden, I saw injustice, how people, I was studying to be what we call a personal injury lawyer. People that does automobile accident and commercial and all kinds of personal injury claims. But in the process of that, I noticed how people who are mentally ill have been treated in Africa and in America. I snapped. All of a sudden, I felt a burden in my soul to fight for them, to speak up for those who have no voice. I never will forget when I shared the burden in my heart with my professors. Many of them listened to me. Many of them feel, felt sorry for me. But you know, many of them were very brutally honest with me. That yes, you're right. There's a need. Somebody needs to speak up for these, these poor people. But you would die poor if you chose that route. They told me, point blank, look, consider how much you owe a student loan. Consider how many years it takes you to become a lawyer. I mean, nobody in their right mind will be doing what you're trying to do. But I was so consumed with the pain, with the burden. I was employed in a very prestigious law firm in Fayetteville, Arkansas, doing very well. The law firm had five private aeroplanes. Are you listening to me? I walked out of all of that to start a job that was paying me $35,000 a year, left a six-figure income to take a job in Pineville, Louisiana, 1995, February, because I wanted to speak up for those who have no voice. 
And for 20 years, I never will forget the first day I came to Pineville, Louisiana. I didn't know nobody. I slept in a hotel. There's some hotel at the corner of, of uh, MacArthur, and I think that's Lee Street. There's a, there's a hotel. There's a Burger King there. I can just see that. And there's some, I hate to call it raggedy hotel. <laughs> I mean, I give up everything. I was consumed. I was going to confront the whole world on behalf of the elderly, the disabled, the mentally ill, the little kids, anybody in the society that had no voice. That's the kind of situation Amos found himself. He couldn't take it anymore. He's had enough of the hypocrisy and the craziness that was going on in Israel. He left his farm. He left his sheep. Moved from South Israel to Bethel, up north, to start preaching. You know why I'm sharing all of this with you? You may well be the next person that God will use to do great things in your generation. Don't let the fear of how am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to pay my rent? Believe me when I tell you, God will take care of you. I remember when I moved to Pineville, the condition was so poor, I couldn't even bring my family. I came alone. Are you hearing me? It was tough. That would tell, I, I told you about, was so, so poor back then, I don't know. I hope things have changed for the better. But I'm telling you, in the middle of the night, prostitutes will be knocking on your door to let, to let them in. It was not even safe. But I was willing to do anything to achieve my goal. Why Pineville? They had a big hospital here uh, for people who are mentally ill. They had another hospital called Pinecrest. I never, I never been to no Pineview. I don't even know where they were located. But I did my, my research and found out. And sure enough, the hospital where they put me had about 2,000 patients. Mentally ill, I began to fight for every one of them. I mean, that hospital today, they probably had less than 200 mentally ill people. Oh, for 20 long years, I would go to the court and scream and yell and fight as if this is my last opportunity. That should give you a picture of what, what's going on with Amos. The brother was not crazy. He left everything, his family, his farm, his business, went to North Israel, and start preaching, and start preaching, bluntly, preaching change for the nation of Israel. The first thing he did concerning Israel is to lay out some accusations. Let me point that out very shortly. 
First, he told Israel how they are treating the poor. He said, this ain't right. You treat people who are poor as if they are nobody. That is not pleasing to God. Then he talks about the injustice that's going on. Sounds like what's going on in America today, amazingly. Have you ever noticed that the poor, if you go to court today, you don't have a good lawyer? You may have a good case, but you may lose. Money talk in our system. That was what was going on in Israel back then. You don't have money, they'll give you a public defender. Good luck with that. <laughs> I mean, I, please forgive me. I don't mean to put down public defenders. Many of them do the best they can, you know. But people that have money, it just, that was the kind of thing that was going on. A lot of people were being, being locked up in Israel. No representation, no legal representation for the poor. I mean, they were just being pushed around. There was all kinds of idolatry, people worshiping all kinds of crazy gods. I mean, it was just bad. That is the sin that Amos was confronting. Regrettably, we are in the middle of that right now in America as we speak. Wouldn't it be nice if some people would have the courage to stand up for righteousness and stand up for holiness and stand up for the family and stand up for respect for women, respect for elderly, respect for little kids, respect for those who are infirm, respect for those who are disabled, respect for those who are mentally ill, respect for those who cannot speak for themselves. So funny, just this morning, I was chatting with one of my, my daughters who happens to be in law school right now as we speak. And her sister is already out of law school. And, and I was just messing with her. I say, you know what? How you, I, I look at the one that's working and say, how much are you making? And she told me, you know, daddy, daughter, talk. I said, well, I'm very proud of you. Then I said, let me, let me share with you all. I say, when your daddy took up the job of defending the poor, my salary was 35000 And then I shared with them 20 years, after 20 years working, doing the same kind of work, the highest amount I got paid was 54000 And I say, baby, isn't it amazing that your first job, you're making more than what it took me 20 years. I said, be grateful. Oh, the younger one said, Daddy, I love you, but no, I ain't taking that man. <laughs> she said, I don't care who wants to hire me. No, my minimum salary got to be bling, bling, bling. She just goes on and on. Then I said, 
I say, well, all that is good. There's nothing wrong to want a better life, to want better things. But if God call you on an assignment to do something, believe me, do what God has called you to do. That's far more important. And I share with them how the Lord has actually repaid me in more ways than one. At the end of the day, I really didn't miss a thing. And yet I could go to sleep and sleep like a baby every day. Amos spoke out, lost everything. I wish I could really tell you more about this, brother. But will you believe the prophet, false prophet, as you say, in northern Israel, got him kicked out of town? They say, after all, he's a southerner. He don't belong here. I've had to deal with some of that. I'm amazed how many times people will remind me, no, you're not one of us. Even though I'm a bona fide American citizen with a U.S. passport, <laughs> U.S. certificate. But when people want to do wrong, then they will label you. They will say, oh, you're a woman. Oh, hey, you black. Oh, you're a foreigner. They'll come up with all kinds of excuses not to hear what you have to say. But the truth is the truth. It's not about where you must come from. It's about what does says the Lord. And he told them, if you don't change, there will be consequence for your sin, O Israel. He also confronted them. He said, isn't it funny that you who are now oppressing the poor, you who are now sanctioning injustice, you used to be slave in Egypt. You used to be oppressed in Egypt. You used to be taken advantage of, and God in his grace and mercy heard your cry, came down to your rescue, sent a prophet by the name Moses to take your behind out of, out of slavery and march you to a promised land. The blessing you're not enjoying today, God bailed you out. You see, there's a lesson there. How quickly we forget. Some studies were done, if I may call this to your attention, that people who are abused, many times they end up being an abuser themselves. Isn't that funny? People were oppressed. The moment God delivered them, now they start oppressing people. I get really tickled. Have you ever seen folks that you, you, you both grew up in the hood, and then they grow up now, the Lord bless them. Maybe he's with the NBA, or maybe he plays at NFL, or maybe he has a little money, or a little pocket change, and they change the tone of their voice. And you can't even shake their hand no more. They give you a finger. <laughs> People be tripping. Amos is trying to remind the Israelites, did you forget you used to be slaves? 
Is, is this the same Israel that was oppressed by the Egyptians and it took God to bail your behind out? How dare you? Now you are pressing the poor. Now you are creating an atmosphere of injustice. Now you are selling people into slavery. The very thing that God delivered you from. Amos told them, you know what? God is not impressed by your worship. He said the party is over. You know what God didn't like about their worship? They will go to the temple, like you and me do, just about every week. We go to church. We get our grooves on. We dance. We shake. We do our thing. We even give. Israel was doing just that. They were offering sacrifices. They were, they were paying their tithes. They were, they were there. But you know, once the Sabbath is over, the rest of the week, they're mean, they're hateful, they're rotten, they're wicked. So Amos said, look, my friends, God is not impressed by your worship. How can you say you love God that you don't see, but you're mean and you're hateful and you're rude and you're oppressive to human beings like you that you can see? Oh, I wish America would hear the, the message of Amos. I believe we will be a better community, we will be a better country. I don't understand how people can come to church on Sunday, black and white, and praise God together, and come Monday morning, they're just as racist as they could be. I don't understand how people can come to church, sing in the same choir stand, but during the week, they won't even talk to each other. I don't get it. How a bunch of preachers will come on Sunday, they'll preach to people, but even the preachers don't get along among themselves. This is the kind of situation that Amos was challenging with. Amos said the party is over. And Amos gave three reasons why God is going to punish Israel for what they're doing. I believe those three reasons are still true for you and me today. Number one, he said God called them. They have a great calling. In other words, there are many nations on earth. Amos is saying, you are not like everybody else. You are called. I believe that's true for you. That's true for me. Secondly, Amos is saying, because you are called, you have big responsibility. You ever heard the term, to whom much is given, much is required? That's what he's preaching to them. He said, because of all the nations on earth, God called you Israel. You are the chosen. You are the apple of his eyes. And because he called you, 
Number two, he has the right to hold you responsible. And number three, Amos is saying, believe it or not, there is consequence for your actions unless you repent. Let me encourage you to consider that message in your own life. Do some inventory and see things that need to be changed and see things that are going on in your life that doesn't bring glory to God. Even, I'll be honest with you, I am doing that right now, not just in my own life, but in the life of my own church. I'm asking myself, Lord, search me, O God. Expose me to my own self. Show me areas of my life I can do better. You made me the shepherd of your people. Help my understanding. I want Zion Hill to be doing the right thing. I just don't want us to be any kind of church. I want, to be, I want us to be a church that gives glory to God. That represents the heart of God. That is doing what God wants to do in this community. Believe me, if you do that, he must end his, his message by saying, if all of us would do some soul searching and turn back to God, there's going to come a time of restoration. That's one thing I love about all the prophets of Israel. They always end their message with hope, with bright future, especially if we're willing to return back to God. Let me end my discussion of this book by pointing out from chapter 7 to chapter 9, Amos saw five different visions. I'm not going to go through all the, the visions, but I just want to point them out. Number one, he saw a vision of a country that was devastated by locusts. And in that vision, Amos prayed, and God reversed the curse. That's very important. Number two, he saw a vision of a whole nation consumed by fire. Are you listening to me? Consumption by fire. Again, Amos prayed, and God reversed the cause. Number three, Amos saw a vision of overripe fruits. You know he's a farmer, so I'm not, I'm not surprised that God is showing him something through farming. He saw a bunch of fruits that is overripe. Fruits that miss harvest. Just rotten. Again, he prayed to God. God reversed the cause. Number four, he saw a vision of a, a, a false prophet. Ahaziah is the name of that prophet. By the way, that prophet was eventually was the one that kicked 
Amos out of town. And then eventually when Amos returned back to the south where he came from, then the priest, the high priest, got some people to stone him while he was in the church. Talking about church folks. They literally killed a man of God for telling the truth. I wish I have time to share with you the cost of being a true voice for God. It may cost you, but it's worth all the trouble. Believe me when I tell you, standing up for righteousness, standing up for justice, is the best thing that can ever happen to you. I am walking in that anointing right now. The peace that you enjoy, no human being can give that to you. I can, sh I can go on and on about the visions that Amos saw. But permit me, because I'm running out of time, permit me to point out two important scriptures in the book of Amos that is so dear to me. One is found in the book of Amos chapter 3, verse number 3. You know what that verse says? It's very simple. You see, how can two people walk together unless they agree? Wow. I can preach on that for the next 24 hours. How can two people be married unless they agree? How can you and me say we are children of God, we are child of God, we are Christian, but we don't agree with God? Amos is trying to point out to the people, don't fool yourself. Your religiosity doesn't mean that you're a child of God. We know what God stands for. And if you're not in agreement with God, you're not doing what God said, how can two of you walk together? Very profound verse. It really shook me. When I studied this book many years ago. Another verse that really was profound in that book is Amos chapter 5, verse 24. When it says, let justice roll like a roaring stream. You know stream of water? He said, let justice Rose. I believe that's what's missing in America today. You may well be that man, that woman that God wants to use to ensure that justice rose in our community. When you see injustice, do you pretend as if it's not there? Do you look the other way or do you speak up for those who are oppressed? Or do you stand up for righteousness? Or are you a part of the problem? Have you become a sellout to your own people? I want you to think about it. My prayer for you, my brother, my sister, is that God will use you. 
that you will be a channel of blessing. And maybe you're doing that right now. I pray that God will sustain you, that God will build an age of protection around you, and that God will protect your children and protect your family. And whatever the devil is trying to mess up in your life, that God will help you to put it back together. Remember when I tell you, serving the Lord pays. Not after a while, not in the sweet by and by, right now. That's my advice for you. That's my prayer for you. May God bless you till we meet again. Hey, if you need prayer, you know I'm going to mention this. There's a number right under the screen. Dial that number. There are ministers of the gospel that will be glad to pray with you. Maybe you want to rededicate your life to God today. Maybe you want God to use you. You want to say, Lord, here am I. Use me. I give my life away. Mold me. Shape me. You the potter. I'm the clay. I'm going to put myself on that potter's wheel so that you can shape me for your glory. He would do just that. Dial the number under the screen. Allow the ministers of the gospel to pray with you. And I bless you that he who has started the good work in you, he will finish it until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen.